thriving meaning overcoming obstacles, overcoming the hurdles. What are the burdens? What are the things that we carry? What are the things that get in the way of uh, functioning as the best lawyers that we can be? Welcome to the very first episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. My name is Chris Osborne. And my name is Michael Kahn. And this is our very first podcast, uh, but it's not our first time chatting together, and it's not our first time talking to lawyers about how to function better in how we practice, how we move through life, how we mingle together. I don't want to use words like balance or things like that because they make me kind of go nuts. Uh, but how do we juggle all the things that lawyers have to do uh, and like to do and want to do and sometimes are stuck doing? Uh, how do we figure out a way to make this practice, which uh, we were drawn to at some point in time because of the opportunity to help people, because of the opportunity to have uh, exciting work, uh, the opportunity to maybe make a difference uh, and to uh, help justice be meted out? Uh, all the noble things that drew us into law, uh, and yet we run into the fact that uh, it's hard, uh, and this is not an easy profession, uh, and it's fraught with, I would say, inefficiency, uh, stress, um, and uh, really dominated by the fact that we solve problems for a living or we prevent problems for a living, uh, and we have our own problems, perhaps, at times. And so, uh, we are calling this the Thriving Lawyers Podcast because we want this to be a, a place where we can have honest, frank, uh, real discussions about uh, what does it mean to thrive as a lawyer. And we're not talking about just financial success, although that is certainly a piece of it. But this is not a thriving means, hey, I got my BMW Series 7 and I'm off to the races. Hope y'all are doing well. Uh, but rather, uh, you know, functioning and being able to, to practice law for the long haul um, but thriving, meaning uh, also overcoming obstacles, overcoming the hurdles. What are the burdens? What are the things uh, that we carry? What are the things that get in the way of uh, functioning as uh, the best lawyers that we can be? Uh, and we're calling it Thriving Lawyers Podcast because kind of one of the things that's a, a core commitment for us um, in the work that we do, we are the creative duo behind real-time creative learning experiences also, uh, and a lot of what fuels what we do is that uh, lawyers having conversations about the things that they are challenged by or that they struggle with is a super powerful way of gaining encouragement, gaining companions for the journey. Uh, and we, we believe this is a, a job that um, it's not for the faint of heart and you shouldn't do it alone, no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on, on what Thriving Lawyers is going to be about? Well, the first thing I thought about when you mentioned what is a thriving lawyer is it depends on the person to define what thriving looks like. Sure. And uh, the challenge for a lot of lawyers is that they um, have had difficulty thriving that they want to thrive the way they want to thrive because the practice of law is so difficult. I was uh, just having a, a Facebook dialogue with somebody earlier this week and their Facebook post, and it made me so sad, it just said, has anybody else ever thought about quitting the practice of law? Mm. And of course, lots of people responded, uh, heck yes. <laughs> in fact, I asked that question in a workshop we just did yesterday in Columbia, South Carolina. I said, raise your hand if you, there's never been a day that you have uh, regretted your decision to become a lawyer, and no hand went up. 
And no hand has ever gone up when I've asked that question because there are days that we want to pull our hair out and, and make us go, oh my gosh, why did I sign up for this? This is really hard. Um, Michael, what are some of the things that we've heard lawyers say um, are the things that defeat them or make them feel sort of dejected? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking kind of like, you know, the Batman scene that we show where Christian Bale is sort of, you know, lost and rudderless. Uh, what have lawyers said that you recall that um, uh, made them feel that way sometimes? Well, I remember one lawyer saying the system <laughs> is, is, is something that, that is their um, biggest obstacle. And I, I don't recall what the area was where she practiced. In juvenile justice, something like that? Something like that. And, uh, and how th- th- that it just felt that she was not making a difference. And that was really difficult for her. About four years into practice, five years into practice, I thought I was done myself. Um, I had a job that did not go so well, uh, and I was asked to find another place to go and practice. I didn't think that was supposed to happen to people like me with my background. I thought I was, you know, pretty much set for life once I graduated from a you know, T14 law school, whatever that means. Um, and I was ready to pack it in. In fact, uh, when I got that news, I, I stopped at a, a, a local graduate school <laughs> to see maybe I'm supposed to enroll in something else and do something else. But I had somebody talk to me during that time and say, you know, don't necessarily throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't necessarily think you can't uh, do this job as a lawyer at all. You might just not be in the right setting. You might not have found the right practice area, or as it turns out, you might not have found the right people to practice with. Another question I like to ask in our workshops sometimes is, how many people are still practicing the area of law uh, or in the setting, uh, the firm or the um, uh, organization that you started with straight out of law school? And almost no hands go up. It's fairly rare these days. Michael, I know you had kind of a, uh, Michael is a uh, licensed counselor, mental health counselor, but before that, you were a lawyer. Tell us about your journey, kind of, uh, you know, what did it mean to practice law for you, and, and, and why did you end up kind of going in a different direction altogether? I worked, I uh, was a lawyer for the Attorney General's Office in New Jersey, represented uh, Department of Corrections for a little bit and Department of Environmental Protection for a little bit, and uh, I, um, I lo- you know, I really enjoyed law school, and I, I enjoyed where I worked. Great people uh, got to do everything hearings, state trials, federal trials, appellate arguments. Um, you were dealing with environmental issues in New Jersey or something, right? Which that's right. Which itself sounds pretty intriguing. <laughs> uh, so the job itself kept me in, in, in it for a few years, even though I really didn't love being a lawyer. But eventually, uh, I, I remember, for me, the turning point was, I was, this is in, uh, I worked in Trenton, New Jersey, and I lived near Princeton, I'm driving down Route 1 in New Jersey. Anybody listening out there knows knows New Jersey. Um, And this is about 7 in the morning, driving to work. And I found myself uh, pounding on the steering wheel. Not the safest thing to do while you're driving, (laughs) but I was just so miserable. I was pounding on the steering wheel just because I didn't want to be going to work. And what was it that was driving that? What would you say was behind that, like the frustration? For me, uh, there are a lot of factors. I, th- I think I'll tell you a story that it's lack of civility for me that really bothered me about the practice of law and the lack of closure. And um, But I, I, w- I remember going to a, a hearing in Camden, New Jersey, and 
parking was uh, was was not the easiest thing to find there, and um, and I was waiting for a space, and and someone was pulling out, and I clearly was the had been there the longest for this. Like you know. you're waiting, you're perched, waiting. going into this perched space. waiting. Clearly, I was the next one in, and then someone else came from the other side and and pulled into the space, <sighs> and and she got out of the car. And I looked at her like, come on, you know that I was here before you. And she looked at me like, hey, this is the way, this is the way we play the game. And just started walking to court. Wow. <clears throat> and I... And it was a lawyer for sure. It was a lawyer. Okay. Yeah. And it was a female lawyer. It's not, you know, it's not like we can stereotype all the, all the, the, the uncivil lawyers as being men. Sure. And I just decided at that point that uh, this has got to change. Now, it took me a while to figure out what the heck to do now. How did you tie that together that it was the adversarial aspect of law that was really what was um, not a fit for you? Uh, I, well, it's interesting because I did actually go to a coach okay, who coached lawyers. While you were still practicing? While I was still practicing. Who was a former lawyer himself, getting his Ph.D. in, uh, in counseling, Larry Richard. Oh, yeah. Give him a shout-out. Great guy. And... Um, He's, I, I believe, written a book uh, um, around what do you do with your law degree. Okay. Well, I think that's an interesting uh, topic, and, I, and I'm sure it's one that will come up as, as this podcast goes on, because uh, one of the things we're going to do is feature the stories of different lawyers, and a lot of them are going to be folks who are still practicing law, but who, who you know, took a while to find the place that was the fit, that combination right. of, I, I think there needs to be a combination for me of meaningful work, I need to have some kind of belief in what I'm doing. I need to have some purpose in it, some, you know, uh, feel like I'm accomplishing something that I can tangibly see. For me, I never could be, I'm lawyer number six on a multi-billion dollar thing. I mean, those are important cases and people need to do them. For me, just sort of, you know, I got one little piece of the, the, the puzzle here and here I hand you that and then I go on. I never know what happens with the bigger case. That wasn't um, going to be intellectually stimulating enough for me. It wasn't going to draw me in enough. But I want to go back to your journey. Um, so you have this pounding on the stereo, or on the steering wheel moment, and you talked about working with the coach. Kind of tell us where it went from there, and how'd you end up finding yourself back still working with lawyers? Mm-hmm. Kind of take us through that. Well, the the coach really helped me identify what what are the things I, I like, what are the things I'm good at, and there were aspects of of practicing law that I liked. I liked the interaction with people. I liked the advising. Yeah. Uh, I like to connect with connecting with folks, helping folks, giving them legal guidance, uh, and um, and it, it also he, he helped me identify what my strengths were, and one of my strengths uh, is to to help people feel comfortable. He pretty much helped validate and confirm for me that uh, my strengths, my abilities, would work fit well in a counseling type uh, position. So I eventually left the law after six years. And um, went back to school, got my counseling, uh, master's in counseling, and worked at a, a family agent, a United Family Services Agency in, in Charlotte. And, and I realized when I was at this agency that I liked giving presentations. I liked educating. But not, not teaching a class long term, doing short uh, one-hour, two-hour, three-hour programs for our EAP clients, employee assistance uh, clients and and incorporating movies. How'd that get started? Well, I love films, 
and I love what films, how films uh, take me away from uh, from whatever it is that's bothering me. Uh-uh. And and also films have a way to make to make points that are driven home much quicker than if someone's talking to me about it. And I went to programs where I was a participant where people would use film clips. And I remember how powerful it was and how entertaining it was at the same time. So I started doing it. And people loved it. And I think that's what uh, drew me to you when we were on that lawyer support committee. I saw that you had done some work uh, like that uh, with some groups, you know, using films to just, you know, prompt conversations. And I'd had some experience like that as well uh, at a local counseling center where they did, and we did some training uh, you know, on how to have better conversations with people. Uh, and they, it's one of those things where they lure you in. This is going to be about how you connect with other people and how you care for them. You get in there and it's about really about you and, and the things that you're carrying around, the things that are helping you or hindering you from, you know, connecting with people, relating to people on a, on a real level. Um, and that was something uh, that resonated with me. Uh, I remember somebody playing a clip from my, I think the movie was like Hope Floats, and it just sort of melted me and just right. produced these emotions. I'm like, what is that? Where are they coming from? Right, yeah. Um, I, I, interestingly, um, there were two movies that came out, I think it was 1989, when I was figuring out what I want to do as a lawyer. And um, Dead Poets Society and Field of Dreams both ooh. came out at the same time. Okay. And Dead Poets Society, especially the whole idea of carpe diem. Yes. This is, I, I believe this is a couple of years before I left the law. Okay. And it and really... You, you're revealing our age difference because uh. <laughs> I was in high school <laughs> when I watched Dead Poets Society. And it was a, a pivotal moment, a uh, pivotal movie for me yeah. as well. Yeah. As it just, you know, that whole message was... was really and I'm sure resonated. it was for many people, but it definitely came at a time for me when I was... I knew I wanted to, to leave the law at that point. I didn't know what what sure. to do, and it really, uh, I tend to be fr- uh, pretty methodical in my decision making, so it, it helped me speed things up a bit, and then two years later, I, I left. Um, now, just to, to fast forward, um, I'm, I'm doing counseling with lawyers now. How did your practice kind of evolve? Tell us about kind of what you did in Charlotte after United Family Services, and how did you find yourself back involved with lawyers still? I, I, when I was at United Family Services, I met, and I don't recall where or how, but I met Mary Howerton, who was the executive director of the Mecklenburg County Bar Association, and she uh, invited me to be on the Lawyer Support Committee. And this committee was uh, made up of lawyers and mental health folks. There was a psychiatrist on a committee, a psychologist, a couple, uh, at least a couple counselors, and lawyers. And the committee was formed to be uh, both proactive and reactive. Proactive to put articles out there, to, um, to do programs, to help lawyers before they get into um, major problems related to personal issues. And to be reactive when uh, we're told about a lawyer who is in trouble. And, and to reach out and help these folks so they don't get to uh, an even worse place than they are that they're in now. And I was on that committee for a good, I don't know, six, five, six years. And what did you think, uh, what was your first impression of me when I showed up on this <laughs> committee? <laughs> Be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, was, uh, I was intrigued. Uh, I, I, 
I was excited to have uh, have someone new. You, you definitely were someone. I was impressed actually that you were you weren't on the committee very long, and then you took a leadership role, uh, which which was impressive. That was me. sort of weird, yeah, how that happened. Uh, I, and the funny part is how I how I chose that committee because I was basically okay. Uh, I had gotten to Horak Tally uh, and had been practicing there at least you know four or five years. Had started getting my feet back under me feeling like I could practice law again. And I really owe that a lot to, to uh, mentors that I had. Um, Henry Farr III and uh, Rob McNeil in particular just sort of took me in and both just never minded, you know, uh, mentoring and just developing and saying, hey, here's how we're going to do this. Plus, they were just became great friends, people to work with uh, that I, I really became where I was enjoying uh, being there. And settled in, oh, this is the place I'm going to practice law. This is great. I'm, I'm sort of finally home and things were clicking. Um, and yet I wanted to do something, you know, to support the bar. And I wanted to be on some kind of committee or serve in some way. I didn't want to, like, organize things, though. I knew I wasn't really good at that. And this lawyer support committee was kind of intriguing. Okay, helping lawyers. That sounds interesting. Um, I think I'd started doing some of that counseling work that I was mentioning or counseling training that was about supporting and helping other people and kind of connecting with other people and not trying to you know, navigate life alone. Uh, and so I, I sort of showed up to the committee and I wasn't sure what I walked into at first because there were people talking about things like mindfulness and yoga. And this is about 2004 or five, somewhere in there uh, when, you know, some of those topics uh, that are fairly common now that you actually see a lot of content about. It's been interesting. Um, when we started putting our workshops together, you actually couldn't use the word stress in the title of a workshop uh, because the bar would not give credit for it. And so we were trying to find creative ways to say, we think this is a topic that does need to be addressed because uh, we were uh, looking at ways to, uh, I believe Lisa Armanini, the, the bar director, wanted us to come up with programs that would uh, qualify for uh, North Carolina was one of the first states to get mental health substance abuse awareness uh, as a separate specialty credit, but nobody really wanted to go to those programs. Nobody knew what they should look like. Uh, and Lisa said, you know, the, the, the thing that she would really love is something that gave people that one hour and their two hours of ethics and professionalism credit at the same time. Uh, and so that was sort of the formula she gave us to aim for. And, but, but, you know, we couldn't really telegraph that we're talking about stress we sort of adopted more of a trojan horse or really a medicine the applesauce type approach uh and it, it was what was interesting is it, it turned out to be fun uh and i'm going to stop talking about that part because uh this this podcast is going to be about more than just what we do at real-time creative learning experiences although there will be i think a lot of overlap um i, I do want to mention because uh, we're going to try to keep every episode uh to a very manageable listenable length uh, and so kind of winding this one down, uh, what you can expect if you hang with us for the Thriving Lawyers podcast, we're going to have lawyers sharing stories, basically. Lawyers sharing stories about success, about failure, about transition. And, and some of our guests will be like Michael, folks who said, um, you know, practicing law, at least traditionally as was conceptualized, was not for me. I, but I found something else. And Lo and behold, like Michael, lots of times it turns out to be something that keeps them a little bit involved in the law. Uh, other folks will be um, uh, more like me. I'm kind of a hybrid. I have a law practice. I am a mediator and collaborative lawyer uh, some of the time, and I'm uh, working with Michael and, and uh, Andrea Cochran, who you'll meet uh, down the road, and some other great people, uh, 
doing uh, educational programming for lawyers, professional development and continuing legal education, client-facing things, things like that. And then you'll meet uh, lots of folks who are practicing law day in, day out, uh, but have found ways to make it enjoyable, sustainable. They have uh, lives outside the law that they would say uh, are meaningful to them. We have a bunch of those kind of great folks here in Charlotte where we're uh, podcasting from today. Michael's going to be in Vancouver, know some folks out there. And we, uh, because we travel around doing these presentations, and uh, we know some folks uh, all around the country who really have uh, inspiring and encouraging stories. That's kind of the ultimate hope I have, I think, for thriving lawyers to be a place where we can be honest, uh, but also positive. What about you, Michael? What would you say is your main hope for Thriving Lawyers podcast and what it's going to look like? Well, we're in really exciting times now around lawyer well-being. That the law is very conservative as far as change, uh, but I, I feel like there's some real momentum now around uh, improving lawyer well-being, both individually and systemically. Looking at stakeholders like the law firms and uh, and and other and and, and bar associations and and how they can uh, impact lawyer well-being. So I. I I feel like this is a wonderful opportunity for us to be part of that conversation. And uh, in my work now, as I said earlier, I, I, I see cli- uh, lawyers now as clients with the Lawyer Assistance Program in uh, Vancouver. And um, I just am so impressed with the lawyers that I see. They're, they're so committed to um, improving their lives, to, to making things better, both personally and professionally. And, and lawyers... Uh, they are, when they commit to something, they work hard. And I want to be part of that uh, story with them. I want to uh, help lawyers get to a place where they're feeling better both in their personal and professional lives. Well, and it's wonderful to see the hunger that's there, um, whether it's in a workshop, whether it's uh, you know, people taking advantage of uh, a lawyer assistance type program. And I love how lawyer assistance programs, and we're going to have some guests uh, I know from that world uh, who are doing a great job of making sure people understand that lawyer assistance is not just crisis response. It's not just reactive. It is really uh, at its best, in fact, when it's proactive, right. when it's inviting people uh, to to talk about how they're doing and what's going on before the wheels have come off, before some kind of disaster or crisis has struck, uh, and, and some great work is being done there. And we're going to try to highlight some of that. Another of our core principles uh, as we are trying to help uh, effectuate change, I think, in the, in the legal profession is you find bright spots and you celebrate them. You find, hey, what's working? Where's where somebody has figured out uh, how to juggle the different things uh, that go along with being a lawyer, being a professional, having a family, whatever, and, you know, kind of copy what you can from that, yeah. what you can from that. And that, that's important. And we're going to be focusing on, on some of the issues and some of the problems, but I see this podcast as, as focusing more on solutions. Yes. And, and how, can we, how can we become, um, how can we have more joy in, we can have joy practicing law. Yes. Right? We can have joy at work. It doesn't Absolutely. just have to be, okay, I'm, I'm going to go home now and, 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 and be happy. Uh, so I, I want to be part of that process. That sounds fun. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. 
Thriving Lawyers podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.